Hey guys, just before we get started, I wanted to kind of put a swear warning because I realize I do in fact swear a lot and I just kind of want to make sure if any kitties are listening that uh, you should probably stop now if unless you're a mature child. And also I'd like to say, uh, sorry mom, <laughs> let's get started with the episode. Hey guys, welcome back to the Long May She Rain podcast. I'm Aiden and I'm your host for this podcast. Uh, hi, um... I hope you're all doing well this week. I had a pretty normal week. You, you know, my weeks are pretty varied, as you can probably tell. <laughs> um, well, let's see, what did I do this week? Um, well, last night I decided to watch that movie, uh, Zodiac, from 2007. Now, I'd, like, I'd, I'd obviously heard of the Zodiac Killer before, uh, but, like, I'd never done any, like, good hard research on him. And, like, the movie was, like, interesting, but it was, like, also, like, creepy because I decided to uh, watch it in the middle of the night with all the lights off. And when my brother came down for his courtesy midnight snack, um, uh, I begged him to turn the lights on because I was too scared to go and do it myself. And he did. Thank God. Um, yeah, I thought it was good, but I just don't like true crime, um, like, movies and TV shows because they freak me out and then I can't sleep. Like, for example, I don't know if I've talked about this yet, but I watched Unsolved Mysteries recently with my mom. And, because she wanted to watch it, she loved uh, the old Unsolved Mysteries. And, like, I was so freaked out by it. And my mom was like, oh, babe, it's alright, it's not real. And I was like, mom, yes it is. It's Unsolved Mysteries, all this shit actually happened and she was like oh right oops well uh, i hope you sleep well <laughs> yeah so that happened to me <sighs> um yeah i think that's pretty much it for my week uh let's get on to the topic at hand instead today we are discussing sorry discussing cleopatra now obviously everyone knows her last pharaoh of egypt um i think in history books she kind of gets branded as you know the hot egyptian queen who got what she wanted by sleeping with powerful men but i i don't think that's the truth at all i think she was a lot smarter than she's ever given credit for and a lot cooler than she's ever given credit for. I actually had a lot of fun researching her this week. She was a lot more fascinating than even I gave uh, her credit for, and I think her story is kind of wild and super exciting, and I hope you guys enjoy it. Let's get into it. All right, so Cleopatra was born probably in 69 BC. We don't have an actual like birth date for her. I read uh we like we don't have a month or anything. Uh that it was either 69 or 70 BC, but we'll go with 69. She was most likely born in Alexandria, Egypt, uh, and she was born to the ruling pharaoh at the time, Ptolemy the 12th, and her mom, we don't know. Uh, there's a lot of guesses. Her mom most likely was a lady also named Cleopatra, Cleopatra V uh, Tryphenia, I think that's how you pronounce that, who at the time was uh, the king's wife and also possibly his half-sister. But we'll, we'll get into the incest stuff with this family because, spoiler, it's so common with these guys. 
Now, before we actually get into Cleo herself, that's what I'm going to call her for this episode, because it's fun and it's trendy, um, I want to talk about what Egypt was like in this time period and how it had been for the last 300 years. Now, Cleo was born into the... Oh, no. I thought I knew how to pronounce this. Ptolemaic? Ptolemaic? Ptolemaic. Ptolemaic. Why am I so bad at this? Ptolemaic dynasty? Yeah, sure. Uh, Which had been uh, ruling Egypt for about three centuries. Now, what's different from these guys from other Egyptian dynasties is that they weren't Egyptian at all because, opa, they were actually Greek. Now, this family had come to power all the way back in Alexander the Great's time, and when he died, his giant empire was split up between his generals, and, like, there was a lot of fighting to get pieces of uh, Alexander's uh, empire. And uh, one of those guys who got a chunk of Alexander's empire was this guy named Ptolemy. Ptolemy the first. And uh, since then, uh, Ptolemy's line had been pharaohs, but they weren't the strongest family. They mostly stayed in their city of Alexandria, obviously named after Alexander the Great. I'm pretty sure that was like his... He named a lot of places after himself, but this Alexandria, I believe, was very special to him. And the... Anyway, the only reason this family really stayed in power was uh, thanks to Rome's power. Oh, and they also only spoke Greek and, like, no Egyptian. Like, it was not allowed. (laughs) In fact, Cleopatra was the first pharaoh of this dynasty to even bother to learn the language. So it's safe to say they didn't really care that much about Egyptian culture whatsoever. They just wanted to rule Egypt. They didn't want to be Egyptian. I think that was kind of the whole point. Now, about Cleo's father, he's probably one of the big reasons Egypt was so dependent on Rome, especially in his time. Like, he was a really big, fat butt-kisser for Rome, and here's why. Now, his royal status was questionable. It was a little muddled, to say the least. Now, he was the illegitimate son of the last pharaoh. His mother was a mistress and not a wife, so he's pretty low on the royal rungs until a few of the legitimate boys in the line were very violently killed. Very. And you're going to find that a very common theme, that these people get killed very violently. And he was invited to become pharaoh, and he was crowned in uh, 76 BC, but because of his illegitimacy, it would end up affecting his rule for the rest of his life, because, like, people were like, oh, there's, like, probably more legitimate people that could probably rule this. Why is this illegitimate son uh, ruling Egypt and stuff. So, uh, he ended up hiding behind Rome's skirts when his, when help was needed. Now, I just kind of want to take a pause for a second before we talk about Cleo's childhood. I kind of want to talk about her appearance because in Roman history, like I've already said, she is portrayed as a seductress and a whore, but that may not be true. Now, we have coins from Cleo's time period, and Cleo on the coins looks probably a lot different from what we'd imagine of the classical Egyptian beauty. Um, On her coin, she has a hooked nose and a square jaw, but I read that some historians say that perhaps she did this to appear more masculine and in charge to her subjects. Also, the debate on whether Cleo was white is also a long-standing debate, and as we talked about already, she was Greek, and so was her whole family, so it's very likely that she was white, um... 
because I don't believe she had a drop of Egyptian blood in her. Um, like I said, in this family, incest was very common. So they were all Greek. Uh, she might have been tan. After all, I mean, it's pretty hot in Egypt. Um, but her appearance is probably, in actuality, not what we think. Uh, maybe if we find her tomb, they will be able to be, they will be able to reconstruct her face. I mean, wouldn't that be that would be so cool like i'd actually kill to know what she actually looked like so that we could like stop fighting about it anyway let's talk about uh cleo's childhood um according to what we know which isn't much like we don't have a lot on this she probably would have grown up pretty well cared for uh she would have been very well educated we know for a fact that she could speak at least five language and those language being limited but not included um wait i said that wrong i'm sorry uh she spoke a greek of course and uh, egyptian like i said she was the first uh pharaoh in this dynasty to learn egyptian herself uh hebrew latin and arabic and i also i also read a couple of languages that they weren't like sure that she spoke but people think that she might have spoke a little bit like there was like an ethiopian Ethiopian language and a couple of other African languages that people thought she might have spoken. Uh, I think she's definitely a lot smarter than anyone really gives her credit for. And to be on, and to be honest, she was really well educated. She, uh, I read that she studied mathematics, philosophy, or oratory. I'm not quite sure what that is, and astronomy. Now, Cleo would have grown up in a pretty big family, which was kind of not great because the battles for the throne in this family hold no candle to regular fights. Now, Cleo had two sisters, uh, Berenice, the oldest, and and then Arsinoe, who was a bit younger than her. I actually couldn't figure out, for some reason I had this, like, dilemma where I couldn't figure out whether Cleo's sister Arsinoe was older or younger than her, but I'm going with younger because I I think that's it. And then uh, Cleo also had two little brothers whose names were, wait for it, drumroll please, da 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 Ptolemy and Ptolemy. Yep, that, you heard me right. They, <laughs> they had the same name, and this is probably the worst case of same name we've had so far. Uh, we have three Ptolemies in this story now, so we're going to call the dad Daddy Ptolemy, and then we're going to call the boys Ptolemy 1 and Ptolemy 2 just to avoid confusion. Cool? All right, cool. You guys can't agree, because I can't hear you. (laughs) Anyway, um, now, in Rome, at at this, uh, at this time, uh, they had the idea that they were going to annex Egypt, which I believe means they wanted to officially make it a part of the empire, and, uh, Daddy Ptolemy was like, oh, fuck, I don't want them to do that, so he decided the best way to stop that was to once again go and kiss the asses of Rome by sending them a lot of money and nice gifts, uh, to certain Roman statesmen, one of those being a guy named Pompey, who will be important later, I promise, um, and this behavior, uh, from Ptolemy, um, bankrupted the shit out of him, um, sorry, daddy Ptolemy, uh, which forced him to borrow money from a Roman bank, which only put him further up Rome's ass anyway. Now, in, uh, 58 BC, uh, Rome decided to annex the island of Cyprus, which, uh, by the way, was currently under the rule of daddy Ptolemy's brother, whose name was Oso Ptolemy. But don't worry, he's not in the story for long, so you won't miss him. So, Rome basically accused Ptolemy's uh, brother, uh, Daddy Ptolemy's brother of 
piracy and got him dethroned. And instead of dealing with XL, the guy decided to commit suicide. And Daddy Ptolemy didn't say shit when this happened, and he was completely silent on the matter. I mean, Rome basically was the cause of death of the pharaoh of Egypt's brother, and he didn't say shit about it. Also, not to mention, uh, very recently, Daddy Ptolemy had been, given, had been giving his traditional lands to Rome, too, and this was pissing off the general populace of Egypt. Not to mention, his oldest daughter, Berenice, uh, was so mad about this, she decided, alright, it's overthrowing time, and she forced her dad into exile and became Berenice, the fourth of Egypt, and Ptolemy decided to uh, go to Rome, and actually Cleo went with him as well, and she probably would have been 11 at this time. Uh, now, Cleo's sister uh, decided to send embassies to Rome where her father was, and she was basically like, yeah, so I'm queen now, um, please don't put my dad back in power, thanks, bye. Um, now, uh, Daddy Ptolemy responded to his daughter's lovely messages by sending assassins to kill those emissaries, and, uh, Rome actually conveniently covered that up for him, which was kind of chill of them, but what wasn't chill is that they refused to give him any money for him to go back to Egypt, but eventually, with the help of some, uh, some of his wealthy Roman supporters, he was able to make it back to Egypt after about two years in exile and take the throne back from his daughter, Berenice, and what he did to her and her court makes me appreciate that we have healthier ways to deal with family fights now. Because Daddy Ptolemy had all his daughter's wealthiest supporters murdered, and then he publicly executed his daughter for treason. Now, I don't know how Cleo would have felt about this. I mean, she didn't keep a diary or anything. But from what I read, Berenice was Cleo's favorite sister, and I can't imagine how devastated she was about this. It also probably made her, like, really afraid of her dad, and I'm sure she'd never complain about not getting a new chariot for her birthday ever again. I'm sorry, that was a dad joke. I was so much prouder of that when I wrote it two days ago. Anyway, um, after her sister's execution, Daddy Ptolemy decided... Uh, to kind of get his shit together, uh, he was actually able to stabilize the economy that he ruined in the first place, and he also made a will that, uh, Cleo and his son, Ptolemy I, would rule when he died, and that's gonna be important in just a second. Now, sometime in about March of 52 BC, Daddy Ptolemy unfortunately died, but he died of natural causes, which, I mean, great for him. I mean, not a lot of people in this time period were very lucky to die of old age. He would have been about 65 if his uh, birth year is, in fact, correct, which was pretty old for the time. Anyway, um, at this time, uh, Cleo and her little brother Ptolemy I were um, proclaimed co-pharaohs. Now, Cleo was about 18 at this time, I believe, and uh, Ptolemy I would have been about 10 or 12, something like that. Now, both of these guys had a lot of work to do right off the bat. Now, at the time, Egypt was having a bit of a famine because the Nile hadn't flooded as much water as expected, which meant there wasn't enough food for everyone and famine, if you don't know how a famine works. Also, there were these Roman soldiers that had been left in Egypt to enforce order, order, and they were kind of being assholes. Oh, not to mention, Cleo also got her dad's debt debts, and she owed Rome about, and I quote, 17.5 million drachmas. 
Now, I don't know the drachmas to Canadian dollar conversion, but it was probably a fuck ton of money if they if they if it had to be mentioned that they owed that much. Now, despite this, all was kind of going pretty well in her reign until it wasn't. So, Cleo wasn't exactly vibing with co-ruling with her little brother because he was a child, and I also got to mention it's likely that she married her brother, which is gross. But it was also a super common practice in this family. In the 15 marriages in this family, 10 were brother-sister, and the rest of them, I believe, were, um, like uncle, niece, or, like, cousin and cousin and shit like that. Yeah, it was gross. We know it's gross. But don't worry, Cleo never, ever, never did any gross stuff with her brother, as far as we know. Anyway, her and her little brother, uh, weren't really getting along. I mean, who would be able to run a country with their 12-year-old brother? Because I probably couldn't. I'd probably, I'd probably kill him, to be honest. Uh, anyway, so, uh, Cleo tried to take more power over her brother, and a few months into both of their reigns, it was very clear who was the boss. But, uh, Ptolemy's tutor and close advisor, Poncinus, was like, oh, hell no, Uh uh-uh. And he kind of started whispering in little baby Ptolemy one's ear about how Cleo was going to take over and how he needed to do something because he was Pharaoh and not her. So little baby uh, Ptolemy one was like, dude, you're so right. And he tried to depose Cleo, and he took control of the city of Alexandria, which started the Civil War. Not that Civil War. Anyway, um, in summer of 49 BC, Cleo was fighting a tough battle against her brother. So she fled to Syria with her sister Arsinoe to get an army. Now, at the same time this was going on, Rome was also having some issues. Now, they were also kind of in the middle of a civil war between uh, that guy Pompey that I mentioned earlier and Julius Caesar. You've probably heard of him. Now, their whole fight was mainly about politics and power and, like, who got to be consul of Rome and shit. I didn't really get too much deep into it because uh, that whole civil war thing isn't really entirely relevant. And uh, this civil war at the time was getting really serious. Now, Caesar had been chasing Pompey around the Mediterranean battle by battle until Caesar finally won a decisive battle at the Battle of Pharsalus. We're going to go with Pharsalus. Uh, where Caesar, and I quote, marmalized. That's, oh, marmalized was such a dumb word to use, I'm sorry. Pompey's army. Uh, despite Caesar being the underdog in the situation, and Pompey decided to make a smart decision and run like his life depended on it, because it did. And he was looking around to see where it would be a good place to hide and regroup, and he was like, hey, the old pharaoh of Egypt was pretty cool. I don't imagine his son is any different. Let's go there so I can rest. And he did that. And Caesar eventually followed him there, and when Caesar showed up to Egypt and met the little boy pharaoh, he got a gift. And you'll never guess what this gift was. Can you guess? What? Want to hear the answers? Uh, was it secret answer number one or secret answer number two? Well, it was Pompey's head on a platter. <laughs> and Caesar was really pissed about this. And this was, like, not the reaction little baby Ptolemy one was expected when he thought of killing Pompey. Now, even though Caesar and Pompey had been fighting, they had history. 
Now, Pompey had once been Caesar's son-in-law. The man had been married to Caesar's beloved daughter, Julia, and even though she was dead at this point, he still considered Pompey to be his family, and he was absolutely insulted that this had happened to Pompey. So, Ptolemy 1 wasn't exactly in Caesar's um, good book right off the bat. And it definitely got worse for uh, little Ptolemy uh, when Cleo got wind that Caesar was in Alexandria. Now, Cleo knew she needed help to win her war, and Caesar could give her that. So she sent emissaries to him, and when that didn't work, she went to go see him personally. Now, I think we all know the famous story about this meeting, but if you don't, let me tell you all about it. Now, the story goes that Cleo got dressed in her best outfit. She was dripping in jewels at Laguanza, and... (laughs) She was probably smuggled into the palace in Alexandria in either a carpet or a sack, we don't really know, and she was presented to Caesar, like, I I read the story that she was, like, rolled out, rolled out of the carpet, and she was like, I'm here, (laughs) and uh, she charmed him most likely with her wit rather than her beauty, Um, like I said, she probably wasn't actually that pretty, but, you know, we don't know. Anyway, uh, she got him to agree to help her, and this is probably when they started sleeping together, uh, but they also worked really well together. Now, Ptolemy one found out about this, and he was very upset. He was like, Cleo, that was mine! How dare you take Caesar from me! Wah, wah, wah. That's, I imagine him as, like, a five-year-old, even though he was, like, 12, which is, like, still pretty much a kid. Anyway, uh, he probably started stomping his little feet about it, so he called on the people of Alexandria to start a riot, but when that didn't work, Ptolemy I was arrested by Caesar, and he and Cleo tried to restore order by, uh, putting Cleo on the throne. Now, he wanted to make Cleo's sister Arsinoe and her other brother Ptolemy II, king and queen of Cyprus, because the country was still a bit butthurt about what happened to Cleo's uncle. But then, but then, Arsinoe decided she wanted to be queen too, and her and Ptolemy I decided to team up, uh, team up together. <laughs> um... Ptolemy actually, Ptolemy I got himself free, and he was on the loose again, and Cleo and Caesar got caught in a siege at the palace in Alexandria. But thank God, after a lot of waiting, Caesar's reinforcements showed up, and they whooped Arsinoe and Ptolemy I's ass. Now, Ptolemy I tried to run away, and the story is that he ended up drowning in the Nile. I'm not quite sure how he drowned. I read that his boat capsized and he couldn't swim. I also read that he, like, tried to cross and, like, he drowned in his heavy armor. So, we don't know. And Arsinoe, uh, was taken kind of, like, as a prisoner of war and was paraded through Rome in golden chains, and then she was exiled uh, to a temple. And much later, when Cleo got in bed with Mark Anthony, um, Arsinoe was later executed on Cleo's orders, which is, you know, just so much sisterly love in this family. (laughs) Oh, poor Arsinoe. Poor baby Arsinoe. I'm gonna start a hashtag, poor baby Arsinoe. (laughs) Now, Caesar set up his new boothang in her position, and just to be safe, they also installed Ptolemy II, as Cleo's co-ruler. Now, back when Cleo's sister Berenice was pharaoh, uh, she had tried to be, like, an independent female ruler, but obviously that didn't really work out for her. Uh, so they put Ptolemy II there to, like, 
just be safe about it. And I also think little Ptolemy too was smart enough to not step his toe out of line after what happened with his brother and sister, Ptolemy I and Arsinoe. Now, once everything was secure, Caesar stayed around for a bit, but he did eventually have to leave to keep power in Rome. And at this time, Cleo was pregnant, and on the 23rd of June, 47 BC, she gave birth to a son that she named Caesarian. Now, uh, we don't know if Caesarian was actually Caesar's son. Cleo said that he was. And uh, Caesar never publicly admitted that the boy was his, but it seemed very likely, at least to me, that he probably was. Now, the next year, in 46 BC, Cleo uh, decided to make a trip to Rome. Uh, and she actually took her little brother with her, and I believe she left baby Caesarian in Egypt. But I also read that he came with her. So let's just say that uh, she did bring it, bring her baby, because, you know, I don't know. Uh, she must have been like a sight to see for the Roman people. They had never seen anyone like her. And even though her little brother was Pharaoh too, everyone knew she wore the pants around here. And so many of the Roman senators fucking hated her. But I don't think Cleo gave two shits about it, so, you know, good for her. Now, in during her very long visit, she was there for quite a while, in, on March 15th, 44 BC, Caesar, at the height of his influence, got shanked by some of his friends, and uh, he died, and Cleo was still in Rome at the time, and I can't imagine the shock to the system this must have been. I mean, even if they weren't totally in love, they were business partners, and they had a son together, probably, um... Uh, it just must have been tough for her. Now, she stayed in Rome for a bit to try to get her son to be named Caesar's heir so that he could rule Rome and also Egypt one day. But uh, Caesar never got around to uh, changing his will or anything if he was going to change it at all. So Caesar's uh, grandnephew, who uh, was made his designated heir, so Cleo decided to cut her losses and just go back to Egypt with her son. And her little brother, who, uh, right when they got back, she had little baby Ptolemy too, uh, killed by poisoning. And she named her baby son her co-ruler, um, which means that she might have had to marry him. I read that she might have married him, which is gross, uh, but I don't think anyone expected her to fuck her son, so, you know, it's fine. Anyway, um... <laughs> Now, Cleo decided to, uh, there, there was a big power vacuum after Caesar uh, died, and Cleo decided to join in with Caesar's nephew, Octavian, um, then a guy named Mark Anthony, you've probably heard of him, and another guy named Lepidus, who formed, I believe, the second triumvirate, tri triumvirate, um, uh, who were against Caesar's assassinators. Now, she sent in military aid to them, and by the end of 42 BC, Octavian and Mark Antony, and also Lepidus to some extent, were able to gain back control of the Republic, and she was invited by Mark Antony to a meeting near the Kidnost River to clear up some confusion, because actually one of her governors had, like, turned against her, and they thought she was a traitor, but it ended up being, like, all cool and fine and stuff. Now, when she showed up to this meeting, she did not come to play. When she showed up at this meeting, her barge was covered in gold and nice silks, and she dressed up as the goddess Venus, who, if you remember, is the goddess of love, and uh, her handmaidens were dressed as nymphs, and I'm pretty sure Mark Antony's tongue was wagging at this point. Um, now, Mark ended up getting invited to Alexandria a little while later, and people loved him. 
He was very, very popular in Alexandria, and he had actually been in the army that helped Cleo's father take back Egypt from her sister uh, Berenice. So he was already very well-liked, and Cleo liked him too. And just like with Caesar, I think she realized very quickly that he would be a very powerful ally and also a very good Roman boy toy. Um, So he stayed in Egypt with Cleo, but... um, by 40 BC, he actually remembered he had responsibilities. Oh, and by the way, I forgot to mention Mark Anthony was sort of kind of already married, but that's that's going to be important later. Anyway, now, while Mark was gone, Cleo gave birth to uh, twins. She gave birth to a boy and a girl twin. Now, she named the boy Alexander Helios. I'm just glad she didn't name him Ptolemy. And then she named her daughter Cleopatra Selene. Now, I hope one day, uh, if, I, if I'm if i able to uh, write a long enough script, I'd love to do an episode on Cleopatra Selene because I heard she is very cool. Now, if things were going well between Cleo and Mark, they weren't going well when Cleo found out the news that Mark Anthony got married. Um, he got married to Octavian's uh, sister, whose name was, wait for it, Octavia. Her name was Octavia. Octavian and Octavia. Oh, uh, not to mention, uh, Mark, Anthony, and Octavia had two kids together whose names were, wait for it, Antonia. Both of the girls' names were Antonia. I believe it was Antonia the Elder and Antonia the Younger. And, <laughs> and the only reason Mark even bothered to marry Octavia was because uh, Mark Anthony and uh, Octavian's relationship was deteriorating and he wanted to do something to make amends with him. Now, Octavian was not super happy about Mark's activities with Cleo because, you know, Mark was married to Octavian's sister and he literally had a whole separate family with another lady and he wasn't even trying to hide it either. Um, in 35 BC, a summit was held in the city of Antioch, where Antony and Cleo finally got to see each other for the first time in a few years, and Mark got to see his son and daughter for the first time as well, and he, while he was there, he also legally recognized them as his children. Uh, it's also very likely at this meeting that they conceived their last child here, who was a boy that was born the next year, named Ptolemy. (laughs) Yay, there's another... (laughs) person named Ptolemy in the story. We had finally gotten to the point where we killed all the Ptolemies in the story, and now we have a new one. Uh, I also believe uh, around this uh, time, I think after a little baby Ptolemy was born, uh, they got married, which was literal bigamy because we know Mark was already married. Now, at this point, Octavian and Mark Antony were like not cool with each other. Uh, they both wanted power, and Octavian was really mad at Mark for disrespecting his sister and running off with a foreign queen. Also, Mark was undermining Octavian's authority by saying Cleo's son, Caesarian, was the true heir of Caesar and not Octavian. And it all came to he- ahead at the Battle of Actium. Now, I had a, like a tough time for some reason understanding this battle, so I'm just going to try and give you what I understood about this battle. Now, the ground fighting at this battle was heavy, and it was not going well for Cleo and Mark, and the sea battle wasn't doing much better either, so Cleo decided to cut her losses and fall back and decided to run, and Mark followed her, and the battle ended up raging on without them until the next day, until their whole fleet was defeated and Octavian had won. 
Now, I read this story that Mark was so mad at Cleo for falling back that he wouldn't talk to her for three days when they were trying to escape, which is kind of funny. Um, after this, the couple decided to go their separate ways so they could regroup and get more supplies and troops to fight off Octavian. Now, I think at this point, Cleopatra might have started to view um, Mark as kind of a liability. Uh, and by the late summer of 31 BC, when she prepared to leave Egypt to her son Caesarian, uh, Cleo uh, planned that she was going to relinquish her throne to him and take her fleet from the Mediterranean into the Red Sea and then sail to a for- foreign port, perhaps maybe in India, where she could spend some time like resting. But uh, these plans were abandoned when this guy named uh, Mal- Malchus I, as advised by Octavian's governor of Syria, Quintus Oh, Quintus Dietus managed to burn Cleo's fleet in revenge for his losses in a losses in a war with Herod that Cleopatra had probably started. So Cleo had no other option but to stay in Egypt and negotiate with Octavian. Although uh, most likely this was pro- pro-Octavian propaganda, it was reported at this time Cleo started testing the strengths of various poisons on prisoners and even her own servants, which is interesting, but it might have been made up. Um, Of course, like I talked about, most of the perception we have of Cleo is from Octavian propaganda and Roman history, so we can't really tell what's true and like what's not true about Cleo. Now, in negotiations, Cleopatra only had a couple of requests. She requested that her children should be able to inherit Egypt, that Mark should be allowed to live in exile in Egypt, and she also offered Octavian money in the future, and she immediately sent him lavish gifts. Uh, Octavian sent his diplomat, Cyrusos, I think that's how you pronounce that, uh, to Cleopatra after she threatened to burn herself and her vast amounts of treasure within a tomb that was already under construction. Now, Cyrusos advised her to kill Mark Antony so that her life would be spared, but when Mark found out about that, he had this diplomat flogged and sent back to Octavian without a deal. Now, the negotiations ended up doing nothing, so a bit more fighting went on until Mark, uh, unfortunately decided to give up the naval fleet to Octavian Egypt, and Cleopatra hid herself with her attendants in that tomb that she threatened to burn herself in. She also decided to send a message to Mark that she had killed herself, and she, and Mark was so devastated about this, he decided to run himself through with a sword, but the thing is, he didn't die. Not right away. In fact, they were able to carry him to Cleo, and he begged her to make peace with Octavian, and he died there with her. Now, I don't know how she felt about this one. It seems to me that Mark was a lot more in love with Cleo than she was with him, but I feel like that she probably kind of loved him. I mean, uh, she was he was the father of three out of her four kids, so there must have been like some affection there, and like with Julius Caesar, they, they worked really well together. Now, once Mark was dead, Octavian sent his forces into that tomb Cleo was t- hiding in. They they had to get like a ladder and get to get in her tomb, and they had her arrested. And her three youngest children were also arrested. And when she met Octavian, she stated to him, "I will not be led in triumph." 
which meant she didn't want to be paraded like a criminal around Rome's streets. She remembered what happened to her sister Arsinoe years and years back, and she did not want to be paraded around the streets like that. Now, Octavian said he would be keeping her alive, but he wasn't telling her any more than that. Now, when a spy told her that Octavian planned to move her and her children to Rome in three days, she prepared for suicide. Now, the popular story goes that she snuck a snake that was called an asp into her her prison, I guess, her rooms, and it bit her, apparently on the boob, I guess, and uh, that's how she died. But there wasn't a snake found with her body. I guess it's possible that... Uh, the snake could have, like, slithered away after. Uh, but it's also very possible that that rumor about her learning poisons, poisons is actually how she killed herself. But I suppose we'll never know until her tomb is found. Actually, you know, I heard recently that archaeologists think they're really close to finding her tomb, which is really cool. I wonder if they examine her body, they could uh, find out, like, exactly how she died. Now that she's unfortunately dead in this story, let's talk about what happened to her kids and her legacy. Now, Cleo's oldest son, Caesarian, by Julius Caesar, was immediately after Cleo's death proclaimed Ptolemy Ptolemy the Fifteenth even though that wasn't actually his name. Uh, he only reigned for about 18 days. He had this, like, false assumption that, like, Octavian was gonna, like, let him be pharaoh, but it wasn't. That was not the case. Octavian had him executed, and I read that Octavian said there was only enough room for one Caesar in the world, and that was him, which is pretty badass. And I think Caesarian was about 18-ish when he died. Now, the three younger kids, Alexander Helios, Cleopatra Selene, and Ptolemy, were all taken to Rome, where they were paraded in gold chains around Rome, like Cleo didn't want to want to happen to her, it happened to her kids. Now, after that, they were handed off to none other than Mark Anthony's ex-wife and their stepmother, Octavia. That must have been awkward for her to raise the children of the woman she probably hated and the husband that she probably had cursed. Um, after after this point, uh, when they get handed off to Octavia, uh, Cleo's sons, Ptolemy and Alexander Helios, kind of, like, disappear from records. Now, there are a few things that could have happened to them. Uh, they might have died from getting sick or something, or, like, maybe they were killed. But I assume if they were gonna, like, kill Cleo's heirs, I think they would have taken out her daughter, too. Uh, Cleopatra Selene as well, because, like, women could inherit the Egyptian throne. She could have, at some point, somehow, like, taken power. So I think if they were gonna kill... Cleo's kids, she they would have taken out all three of them, but, you know, that's just my opinion. Now, like I said, Cleopatra Selene is probably going to get her own episode one day, so um, I'm just going to summarize some things about her, because she is the longest-lived of Cleopatra's children. Now, Cleopatra Selene's stepmother, Octavia, arranged the betrothal of Cleo Selene to uh, Juba II, who was the son of Juba I, whose uh, North African kingdom of Numandia had been turned into a Roman province in about 46 BC by Julius Caesar. Now, uh, because of Juba the first support of uh, Pompey, it was kind of like a punishment. Now, the Emperor Augustus had installed Juba II and Cleopatra Selene II after their wedding in 25 BC as the new rulers of Mauritania, where they transformed the old Carthaginian city of Eol into their new capital and they renamed it Caesarea Manturnia. 
which is in modern-day Algeria in Africa. Now, Cleopatra Selene II imported many important scholars, artists, and advisors from her mother's royal court in Alexandria to serve her in Caesarea, uh, which was now, like, steeped in Hellenistic Greek culture, because that was her culture. She also named her son Ptolemy of Marantinia in honor of their of her um Greek Egyptian heritage of which she was very very proud. Uh she also might have had a daughter named Drusilla, though it's not confirmed. Um it's likely that our Cleopatra might have descendants today through her daughter and her two grandchildren. There was like some confusion about whether this Drusilla lady was uh Cleopatra Selene's daughter or granddaughter. We don't know. Uh, There's just not enough uh, recorded to confirm about whether uh, Queen Cleopatra um, has any descendants today. Uh, I believe there's a queen like a couple thousand years later named Zenobia, who I'm probably going to do an episode on one day, uh, who claimed to be a descendant of Cleopatra. Anyway, now I've always admired Cleopatra, and I think that, especially by Roman history, she's been demonized as a seductress. Uh, that only got power because she was hot, and I think, as you can see, that just wasn't the case. Uh, she was smart and calculating, and she got where she did because of her wit and ambition and nothing else. I mean, she got what she wanted. I think you got to commend her for that. Uh, cheers to Cleopatra, last pharaoh of Egypt. Thanks for joining me, guys. Alright guys, thanks for listening. Uh, if there's a certain thing that you want to hear, just like hit me up on uh, Twitter at Long May She Rain 2. Uh, the N at the end of rain is replaced with a 2, just so you know that. Um, thanks for listening guys, bye!